Good, a sea of blue this morning. Amen. Amen. Like I said, I don't know how the, uh, uh, how the Lord was able to take 20 different shades of blue and make them match, but y'all did it. <laughs> Glory to God. That's awesome. What's up, Tex? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> 40? Authority. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, oh, wow. All righty. That's cool. It's like Sherman. Where you? That's really interesting. Blue day. There we go. Hallelujah. We figured it out. So when we get over there, one of the things we need to do is get a close up on this hat right here. That'll be awesome. So. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, let's uh, go ahead and turn in your Bible. It might be a little bit before we get there. But go ahead and turn in your Bibles to number fifth, Numbers 15 and verse 37. Numbers 15 and verse 37. Welcome to Boomerang Blue Day. That's cool. That noise even sounded blue. Here, let me step over here. Just, I don't know why I'd come over here, but you know, how you doing? New sheriff. Nice to have you in these parts. <laughs> Is that up there? It needs to be. Glory to God. Zoom in with that one. You got to see this. This is awesome. <laughs> That'd be great. You want to No. 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 So, uh, Boomerang Blue Day. So when we first started Boomerang, we, uh, of course, we prayed over the name. Some people don't think we did, but uh, <laughs> we did. Actually, we didn't want to name it. I didn't want to name it Boomerang, but uh, the Lord did, and that's another story. But eventually we said, well, do we have any colors? What color do I make logos and stuff like that? What's the colors, the sign? And he told us blue. That was our main color. And so we went on. And then some years later, uh, we determined that we would have a boomerang blue day, like a spirit day at school. And, and uh, so each year we've had that. A lot of times it's fallen on the first day of the NFL season. And it just so happens the Panthers colors and ours are very similar. And so it just worked. Yeah, she's got a Panthers jersey on. So it worked, you know. So we do it. We take a picture and everything. We need to get everybody with... Uh, they're blue to take a picture. But anyway, um, so the very first year, I, uh, I told you that it was going to be a good day, right? I told you, you need to, you need to tell people to be here. It's going to be a good day. Their freedom's going to happen because you're here today, because you're hearing this message. And uh, one of the things that uh, happened was, uh, oh, here you go. So you needed a vehicle. There's one sitting outside. That's for you. The Lord move. Be blessed. We believe in you. We believe in you. Uh, the Lord moved and got that ready for you in a matter of just a few days. And uh, we heard about it. The Lord moved and he moved some stuff around really quickly. He loves you. He believes in you. And we believe in you. Amen. All right. Amen. Glory to God. 
So that's five vehicles this year. I said four, but amen. God is good. It's outside under the carport. I know you won't go see it right now. Now, it's, uh, it, it's in good shape, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir, he is good. It's from him. It's from Jesus. So um, he makes those things work. So anyway, on the first day that we ever had Boomerang Blue Day, right? The first day that we ever had Boomerang Blue Day, one of the things that happened was I, I walked into that service. And I'm like, wow, this is a big day, Lord. This is our first Boomerang Blue Day. And uh, just out of curiosity, what do you want me to preach? Because I'd like to know what that is because I don't have anything. And this was literally the night before the service. I didn't know what I was preaching the next day. And that became normal after a while. But at that time, I was still a little nervous with it. And um, I said, what do you want me to preach? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, blue. I'm like, I mean, I've read the Bible, Lord. And I <laughs> blue, that, wait, I don't even know that where it talks about hardly about blue. That's just... I don't even know scriptures about blue. He was like, I know, you know, he didn't say that, but I was like, oh, uh, so I just got, I'm thinking, what kind of message can I get out of blue? Well, it turns out it's one of the strongest messages I ever got. I started looking into it and he started unwrapping it that it was in 2013 when we did that for the first time. And when I saw it, um, when I preached that message, it was amazing. It was amazing. And um, it just, it was just awesome. Well, the Lord said he wanted that message preached again. It's a little bit different uh, this morning, but the same uh, basic message. And you're going to really enjoy it. But the first thing I started wondering is what in the world is there in the word that talks about blue? I would say the majority of your scriptures that talk about blue, you'll find them on your handout, but you'll start to see some things. You can also go, if you look on your handout, if you look on the back where it says, uh, you can go to boomerangchurch.org slash notes. Your handout is kind of compressed into one sheet, but if you go to that link, uh, you can see all of the scriptures laid out there and you can get all the details. You can also pull that up. It's saved as a PDF. You can pull it up and look at it. If you have a tablet or a phone, you can actually see all these scriptures laid out without the abridged uh, version that you have printed. So also, if you're watching online, you can go there and see it too. If you're watching online, it should be uh, right to the right of your screen over there. <laughs> this should be about right there. Amen. All right. So, and, uh, so I started looking at scriptures on blue and I noticed that blue, uh, to the Lord had a very special significance. Uh, matter of fact, I talked to a guy that's kind of a Greek and Hebrew scholar just the other day. He said, one thing is the Lord likes blue. He just like, you can tell from the scriptures, it's one of his favorite colors. And you'll notice here, I just want to go through a few real quick and you're going to see a pattern here. And then we're going to talk about what it means. So it says in Esther 8.15 that Mordecai, he wore royal robes of blue and white. In other words, blue was something that royalty wore. In Exodus 25, verse 1 through 4 and then verse 8. 
uh, you see that they take up an offering and it was a special offering to build the tabernacle. And one of the special things that they took up were cloth and linens of blue, right? So this was, a, this was something special. Y'all know if you've been here any length of time at all, that the offering, that's one of the most precious things to us because that represents your heart towards God. And offering is special to God. I mean, we, we hold it here in the highest of esteem. And we, we talked about the other day, if there's anything that, that I will get hot over quick is if we as a church or as leadership, we don't esteem that offering or somebody's offering. I don't care how much it is. If they're giving it to the Lord, it's special. So it's already special, but then when they take up a special, special offering and it includes, hey, take up linens of blue, it shows that God has some importance here. Exodus 26, 1 through 5. Now this is very interesting. They were getting ready to build. They had left, the Israelites had left Egypt. And now the Lord wants to come and visit with them. And so what happens is they build this tabernacle. That's what the offering was for, was to get the materials to build this tabernacle. They're building a tabernacle. And when they do it, they make curtains. And then the curtains will join together to make this tabernacle. Well, these curtains, they're first of all made out of, guess what colors involved? Blue. Blue. And then on the corners, you'll see uh, in this scripture, it says on the corners or on the edge of these curtains, there, you're to make 50 loops, 50, very specific, 50 loops of blue uh, loops, right? And then you'll make them the loops on this edge of this curtain, on this edge of this curtain, and then you'll clasp them together with gold. Now, this is the, the place, the tabernacle, where God dwells, right? All right, now, that's very interesting. And then I'm going to show you something else. Here in Exodus 26, 6 and 7, they also made curtains made out of goat's hair with 50 more loops. Now, in that one, it doesn't say that they're blue, but the assumption and context is that's probably what color they are. But there are 50 more loops and then 50 loops on each curtain of goat's hair. And then they're connected with bronze links. All right. So hold this, please. All right. So let me just show you a picture of this. What happens at the tabernacle? At the tabernacle, what happens is God would come in and be with man. And his presence starts to solve things, correct? Doesn't the presence of God... What happens if we step into the presence of God? We'll get healed, delivered, stuff just happens, right? I mean, stuff just happens, right? All right. So when God wanted to show up with his people, what was he wanting to do? He was wanting to come in and be their salvation. He was wanting to come in and get some of him, his goodness on them. Where did that happen? In the tabernacle, right? Now watch this. What held the tabernacle together? These loops, these blue loops, right? How many of them were there? 50. Now, one thing that's important before I go any further, a lot of times people will take symbolism and they'll just, they'll run too far with it. They try to see stuff that isn't there. And a lot of times you just need to have, you need to have some balance there. 
But at the same time, if you start seeing the same thing over and over and over again, you can see that, that this is along those lines. This is one of those situations with blue. It's not something where you need to uh, get doctrine on. We're going to take what everything that I'm going to talk about is basic doctrine in the word. But I think you're going to see some symbolism that God threw in that's going to be, uh, it's going to get your attention. All right. So the first thing is here were these blue loops. I'm not going to dwell on it a whole lot now, but I'm going to revisit it. And then they were held together with gold clasps. Well, gold, for the most part, represents the glory of God, the purity of God. In other words, in this tabernacle where God is, blue uh, would represent a, a, a type of holiness, righteousness. You're going to see in a few minutes, keeping the commandments. In other words, God could come and dwell in a place that was held together by the righteousness of God. God could come and dwell in a place that was held together by his holiness. Can you see that? If blue represents that. 50, you remember the, anybody remember what Jubilee is? Jubilee was the 50th year where people, everything that they had that they owed, their debt would be wiped completely clear. This is, by the way, a, a 50th year on the Jewish calendar. Isn't that correct? I believe it is. That, and that's part of what we're seeing. There's, God has some timing to some stuff. He's got numbers and stuff that he moves through. And that's part of the debt cancellation that we're seeing is we're, we're moving in that. So here's the thing. 50 represents, let me put it this way. 50 represents completion. 50 represents Everything being in order and going back to the way it needed to be. So in other words, those loops also represent the thing, the holiness and the commandment and the righteousness of God. Okay. So what I'm saying is these 50 loops represented everything being right so that God could come down and have an interaction with his people. Right. So that God could come down and be in our lives and save us and deliver us. Now what's interesting is, remember I said they also built another tabernacle. Or not another tabernacle, but another covering. Now this other tent went on top of the tabernacle. It went over the other tabernacle and it was made out of goat's hair. It also had 50 loops. In other words, there were things that needed to be done. But it was held together by bronze class. Gold represents God and his glory and a perfection and a purity. Well, what does bronze represent in the Bible? Mankind, that's exactly right. Bronze always represented man. So what you see is a covering that would allow us some access to God, but it would be a, a way of, of stepping under the cover, covering through what we do. By us keeping the law and keeping the righteousness. All right, you starting to see it? But there was a better place in him where he keeps the law and that's where he could dwell. Could the majority of people go in that tabernacle? No. No, they couldn't go in that. But blue played a part in that, and it represented keeping the law. It represented keeping the commandment. So let's continue looking. We'll, we'll talk about that some more in a minute. In Numbers chapter 4, 
there were cloths of blue and they were made, you remember in the Holy of Holies in the temple, there was different elements like the Ark of the Covenant, there were the lampstand, stuff like that. In that temple, they made blue cloths to cover this. Now, could stuff be inside that temple without being holy? No, it had to be dedicated, it had to be consecrated and separated, it had to be holy. These claws were in a portion of what God calls holy. So they were, they, you think that God just chose any, oh, let me see, uh, green, you know, uh, let me think, blue, no, no, there was something special about it, you know. Now, let, let me just throw this in here, right here. We're not worshiping blue, but we are seeing if God sees something on it, then we want to take notice of it and find out what does it mean for us. So there was something special to God about the color blue and he used it in holy things and he used it to kind of show us some things. All right. Can you see already when I get into this uh, that first night when he's talking to me, I'm like, whoa, there is some more to this. I like well, this might actually turn into a message. What do y'all think? I hope so. We'll see you in a minute, right? Amen. All right, so Exodus chapter 28, the high priest had a breastplate that had the names of all the, the tribes of Israel on it, and it was fastened with blue cords. So in other words, the thing that was, this was a memorial in front of God to remind him of his covenant and to remember every person in the kingdom of God, every person in his family, and it played an importance. Now, could that high priest just walk in with anything? No, very specific, had to be sanctified and holy, and we see blue attaching pieces there too. Then if you go on, li listen to this, I love this. This is Exodus 28, verse 36 and 37. It says... The, this is talking about how the high priest dressed. Let's put that picture up, how the high priest dresses. All right, there we go. Let's take... All right, so what you see here... There we go, good. What you see here is you see... Let me point to it, but you can look at it. So the high priest would wear this outfit. He'd have this tunic... This, uh, basically this covering, which is the blue going over his shoulders. And then he would have the breastplate here that represented the family. And right here were the blue loops that I just talked about. But then you notice on his turban, there's a gold plate. And what connects that gold plate? There's a blue strap there, right? Well, that's what we're reading about. All right. It says, you shall make a plate of pure gold. And you shall engrave on it, like the engravings of a seal, holy to the Lord. Holy to the Lord. So now, all right, let's drop that off for a second. So when we, in other words, what are we talking about here? Talking about holy to the Lord. We're talking about holy things. We're talking about keeping the commandments. We're talking about being sanctified and, and sacred and set apart. We're talking about the righteousness of God, right? Here is this plate over the high priest's head engraved holy to the Lord and it's strapped down and held into place by this blue cord. It says in verse 37, You shall fasten it on a blue cord and it shall be on the turban. It shall be at the front of the turban. 
All right, so now we've seen blue in royal robes. We've seen blue in special offerings. We've seen blue holding the tabernacle together. We've seen blue covering the elements in the holy of holy in the in the holy place, right? We've seen blue on the high priest. We've seen it on uh, his turban holding the gold plate, right? Well, what are we seeing here? Are you seeing that there's a difference to this color that God talks? Again, do we worship the color blue? No, but do we pay attention to it? Yeah, there's something here. All right, so now let's go to Numbers chapter 15. Numbers chapter 15, verse 37 through 40. Now this, this is interesting. The Lord also spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel. All right, so who's speaking? God is. Who's he talking to? He's talking to Moses, but he's telling Moses to tell something to who? Israel, the children of God, right? He's telling them to do something, pay attention to it. Is this important? Yeah, okay, all right. Speak to the sons of Israel and tell them that they shall make for themselves tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and that they shall put on the tassel of each corner a cord of blue, Interesting. Let's put that picture up there. So this is sort of what they would look like. They would each have a garment. Every Jewish man would have a garment and then they would put a tassel up with a thread of blue through it. That was that blue. Uh, to get that blue color, it was very costly, right? It, it wasn't just everywhere. You couldn't just find it. It was a special color. So it was a valuable thing. So for the Lord to tell every person to put this on, he was saying, this is important to me. This doesn't just happen. Do this, and then he's going to tell you the reason for it. So every Jewish man would have his garment, and on the edges of it, on the fringes of his garment, would be this tassel with a blue thread on that. Well, what's that blue thread for? Well, let's keep reading. It shall be a tassel for you to look at... And remember the commandments of the Lord. So as to do them and not follow after your own heart and your own eyes after which you played the harlot. So that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy to your God. Okay. So now what are we looking at? On every Jewish Man, they're wearing a garment and on their garment every day they have tassels, not just one, but generally on, I think it was at least on all the four corners. They have tassels with a blue thread and every time they see that blue thread, they're supposed to think, do what's right. Follow the commandments, follow the law. Remember to do what God's asked me to do. Don't, don't fall away into worldliness Follow the righteousness of God. Follow those, uh, those things that I've commanded you. You know, in Joshua it said, if you will meditate on this word day and night, meditate on the law day and night, and 
and you will do them, you will make your way successful and prosperous. So God's not just telling them, don't go do the fun stuff. He's saying, I'm going to show you how to walk into my blessing and stay in my blessing. And this tassel with the blue thread had a way of reminding it. So every time I would walk, if I'd see another guy and he'd have a tassel on, I'd see that blue thread, it would remind me, do what's right. Forgive, have mercy, you know, be a giver, be a cheerful giver. It, it would tell me, don't do this, don't fall into this worldly thing or that worldly thing. Don't do this, don't do that. Do these things. And what's God doing? He's setting up the guardrails so that I don't go flying off a cliff, but I stay right on path heading towards God's plan. So now blues representing the righteousness and following the law. All right, now let's revisit, remember, the tabernacle held together by the loops of blue. Now, if they represent keeping the law and the commandments, you see that God comes into the place where it's done perfectly in God's glory and his gold, right? But he also see that before that happens, there was another covering where we could at least get close with goat's hair. But it was our ways, man's ways, bronze. Do you see the picture of the law? And then when Jesus came, what happened? He, uh, he did away, he fulfilled the law and did away with, with that. And he wrote the law on our hearts. But he made us holy. Do you remember when Jesus uh, died? The, the veil, the holy of holies, it was rent in two. And now at any time, according to Hebrews 4, we can boldly come before the throne of grace. To find help in our time of need. Glory to God. Amen. So what he's showing us is, and remember, 50 represents completion. So we're talking about not just keeping the law, but keeping all of it. All right. So what are we seeing blue being represented of now? We see heavenly power. Rulership, blue is representative of government, royalty, commandment, judgment. Now, when people hear judgment, they always think about, you know, punishment. Judgment doesn't necessarily mean punishment. Judgment means to set two things in front of you and judge which one is right and which one is wrong. Or, or it can say, all right, here's somebody in God and here's somebody in the world. God, the one in God gets the favor and I judge rightly and justly to give that person favor. That's also judgment. Right. So this is it. Blue represents all these great things. Heavenly power, rulership, government, royalty, commandment, judgment, righteousness, holiness, freedom and completion. Now we start to see I've already given you a piece of it, but we start to see a shift in Exodus 29. It shows that Aaron, who was the high priest. He takes a bull and slaughters the bull. And then he anoints his children. So in other words, Aaron, the high priest, sacrifices something and then he anoints his children. This is the same pattern of our high priest, Jesus, taking the anointing that God's given him sacrificing himself 
and then anointing the body of Christ. All right, so there's a shift. There's, some, there's a types and shadows that are in there. And this is the plan that God has for us. He wants to shift. You know, a lot of times, how many people have ever felt condemned because you haven't done everything God wanted you to do? That's everybody. Everybody at some point, the word says it like this. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Think about those class. We've all fallen short of holding together God's righteousness. That's his glory. We've all fallen short of this. We've all messed it up. We've used our, the ways, the clasp of bronze. We've used man's ways. We use man's thinking, a corrupted system. We've all fallen short. But the plan of God was never to leave us not anointed or not free. The plan of God was for every person to walk into the freedom of the righteousness that Christ poured out. Christ said, I'll stand up. I'll do it all right. For their behalf and I'll sacrifice myself even though I was pure and spotless and perfect. And I'll do that so that the anointing, the freedom, the yoke breaking power, the healing, the deliverance, the protection, the being with God again, being saved can come on a whole body of people. All of your children, Lord, I will do that so that you can anoint them. So no matter who you are or where you're at or what you've been through, if you will simply submit yourself to God, you can step in his system and everything changes. Many of us are already in that system, but we don't have a good knowledge of exactly what God has done and the power of it. He's already done everything he needs to do when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. There's nothing else that God needs to do for you to walk in the fullness of God's normal. To walk in the fullness of it, what he's done. To walk in the fullness of that anointing. He doesn't have to do anything else. It's us that has to recognize and say, there's a plan in place. Let me walk into it. Let me step into it. You know, my, the word says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Many people are still trying to keep that law. All right. Exodus 28. Now, this is incredibly important. Exodus 28, verse 31. Now, we're talking back about the high priest again. I want you to see something. So the high priest, you shall make the robe of the ephod all of blue. There shall be an opening at its top in the middle of it. Around its opening, there shall be a binding of woven work like the opening of a coat of mail so that it will not be torn. So let's put that picture back up of the high priest. So we have the loops that hold the, the blue, the breastplate on. We have the, the strap that's holding on the gold, gold plate that says, Holy to the Lord. But now you see this ephod that's made of all blue, and it shall be one piece with a hole in the middle, but it's woven in such a way so that it won't be torn. All right, then Leviticus 21, verse 10. 
The priest who is the highest among his brothers, on whose head the anointing oil has been poured, and who has been consecrated, that means to be separated, he's special. Everybody say, he's special. special. Yeah. To wear the garments, shall not uncover his head, nor tear his clothes. So the high priest, first of all, has a special covering... And this thing is designed to not be torn. But then you have a commandment from God saying, don't tear this. Now, what do we know about blue? It's holy. It means commandments. His righteousness. The completion of God. So what's he telling the high priest to do? Don't look. You need to hold yourself to a higher standard. Don't don't do what's not right. Follow the law of God. Don't sin. Walk in my righteousness. Now, even if he did mess up, there was still uh, forgiveness for him. But as a general principle, he needs to walk in this just like you and I need to walk in it today. Because we are now kings and priests according to the word of God through Jesus. So we need to walk in this too. But look at what he's telling them. He's saying as a representation of this holiness and this separation, don't allow that ephod to be torn. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 26 and verse 62 through 65. You see, under the law, we couldn't uphold that. We were never going to get it right. We were never going to keep every commandment. It was only a temporary covering. It was never meant to be eternal. The only reason the law was there was to get us to the place where Jesus could fulfill it all. To set up something legal so that Jesus could then move in. Once Jesus moved in, he set up the perfect law of God's love, the perfect law of grace, so that everything would be fulfilled according to the legalities of the law, and you and I could then receive the fullness of God's grace. Now, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to take advantage of it. Paul said, God forbid, don't take advantage of it. But at the same time, how can you have a people operating up here when they never can get past the law down here? He said, I got to find a way for them to operate up here and be able to do the things my children ought to do. And to be free the way my children ought to be free. And he did that through Jesus. So now there had to be a shift from the law. Now, when I say the law, I want you to understand that not just in history, but the law means this. The law means the things you did wrong. The things when you do it and you know that's the wrong thing to do. The things where you can't get over. It's like, I don't even want to go to church because I did this. That kind of stuff. Uh, He says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. He says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I don't care who you are or where you're at. But right now, if you've been struggling with keeping every bit of the law, you've been, you've been messing up and you've been missing out. And then not only that, but once you repent, once you move in and you repent and you confess that sin and God doesn't remember it anymore, but you're still having trouble remembering it. In other words, you still got condemnation poured out on you. You feel the weight of what you did bad. You're about to get set free. Glory to God. Jesus said, basically, by his life, this way isn't working. 
There's about to be a shift. There's going to be a change, right? He says, when he said repent, one of the things, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. One of the things he was saying is, change your way of thinking. It's about to all get different. Well, the way you used to think, what used to work, it's all different now. Change your way of thinking. The kingdom is here now. You keep looking in the by and by. One day we'll go to heaven and it'll all be right. He was saying, stop looking at what you got wrong. Look at what Jesus got right. Shed the condemnation. Shed the weight of what the devil. Ask for forgiveness. Get free and walk out a new child of God. Walk out in it. Be who God's called you to be. So there had to be a shift. There had to be a change. We saw where there was a type and shadow of it where Aaron slaughtered the bull and then he anointed his kids. And that was showing what God wanted to do. He wanted to have Jesus who was then sacrificed and then the children of God were anointed. Now look at this. Matthew twenty six sixty two. Jesus is on trial. They're trying to accuse him of something. They can't find anything. About that time, the high priest stood up and said to him, to Jesus, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And, now again, who's talking? The high priest. The high priest. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. That you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he is blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. So the high priest with the blue ephod, with the blue robe, that's never supposed to be torn. He stands up with Jesus in his face and he shreds the law right in front of Jesus. He shreds the commandments. He takes the very thing that they've been living by for so long the one he's commanded not to break. He takes all of the pain and all of the, all of the, you'll never fulfill the law. And he rips it right there in front of them. He takes all of, remember the blue cord that they're supposed to remember to keep all of the law. He says, you're not, uh, it's done. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just moving out of emotion, probably demonic force. But he actually shreds the very thing. And what happens in that moment? All of the power and authority of that high priesthood comes to an end. Now what happens, what happens to Jesus? What about, didn't he have a robe? John 19, 23, 24. And then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts. A part to every soldier and also the tunic, the robe. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. Think that's coincidence? So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scriptures, for they divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. 
Even then, there was a new priesthood that was established in Jesus, a new law. And God said, uh-uh, this one's not getting shred. This one, this one will stay forever. You see, and I gave you these scriptures in Isaiah 51, he said this. He was prophesying, Isaiah was prophesying, he said in Isaiah 51, 22, The Lord says, see, I have taken this terrible cup from your hands. You will drink no more of my fury. You will drink no more of my fury, of my anger, of my wrath. This is a promise to every child of God. There's a whole bunch of people that said, well, this is the wrath of God and the judgment of God. He even says his wrath is put on hold in Romans till the end of time. This is not the wrath of God. This is the curse. If you're seeing that, you're seeing the curse that was already pronounced on the earth. It's already there. God doesn't have anything to do with that. Men can step into it. But for those who are children of God, they are under a new covering of God's holiness. And they are choosing. Now, we can decide as children to step out. Out from his blessing or into his blessing. Joshua said it like this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will walk in his blessing. We will walk under the covering of God. So if you are a believer, you never have to experience the wrath of God or any kind of judgment of God like that ever again. You may think you are, but the truth of the matter is you're not. You're actually just, you're actually reaping what you've sown. I've sown to step out or I've sown to go back into it. It's our choice. Isaiah 54, he says a very similar thing. It says, in a burst of anger, 54, 8, in a burst of anger, I turned my face away for a little while, but with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Just as I swore in the time of Noah, I would never again let a flood cover the earth. So now I swear that I will, this is God speaking, I swear I will never be angry and punish you. That's to every believer. Anybody who thinks that the Lord is reaching down and smacking you, if you're not born again, maybe that's the case. But if you're born again, it is not God that's smacking you. You might have sown some stuff, but it's not God doing it. God wants to deliver you and protect you and keep you. And he did everything he needed to do through Jesus. He says, for the mountain, verse 10, for the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love will remain, for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy. Listen to that word. God says to every believer, at this point Isaiah is prophesying to the future church. He says this, for everyone who will receive Christ, he says, God says, my covenant of blessing." will never be broken. You will never test my, taste my anger. You will never be under my wrath. You will not taste of my cup of fury ever again. What a promise. How is he going to set up these promises? Through the high priesthood of Jesus. The high priest of Jesus. And watch this. All right. You're about to flip your lid in a good way in Jesus' name. Luke eight forty three. But wait, there's more. Luke eight 
43. You remember the woman with the hemorrhage of blood? Verse 43. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, people are crowding you and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had immediately she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. All right. Turn real quick to Malachi 4.2. I want you to see this for yourself. Turn to Malachi 4 and verse 2. In the New Living, it says this, But for you who fear my name, the Son of, say it with me, righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It means doing things right in God's way. Seeing it. Does it mean upholding the commandment? Yeah. That and... Just walking in more. It's a, it's a bigger term than just that, but that's included in it. He says, he's prophesying here. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, who are we talking about? Jesus. Will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joys, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. You remember the tassel? And what did that blue thread on the tassel represent? To keep the commandments. Was Jesus a Jewish man? Was he commanded to wear the tassels? The wings, the healing in his wings, actually the Hebrew word right there means fringe. So what he's saying is the sun who fulfills all righteousness will rise up at an appointed time and he will have healing in the fringes even of his cloak. He will have healing there. Because why is this possible? Why is healing? Healing comes from an anointing that breaks every yoke and the anointing comes from God because of holiness and because of righteousness. And he says basically this. When the woman reached out, she touched the fringe of his cloak. What was she touching? She was touching the tassel. What was she touching? She was touching the blue thread. What was she touching? She was touching the one person on this earth who ever saw that blue thread and actually kept every commandment. She was touching the man who walked with righteousness and healing in his wing. She was touching the one who could set her free for good. She was touching the righteousness of God. See, she wasn't 
just touch it. She didn't just reach out and grab his cloak. She grabbed specifically. I know. I recognize who you are. You're the one bringing the promise. You're the one who's going to set me free. You're the one who's done everything right according to the law. You're the new high priesthood. You're the one that represents the shift from the old way into the new way. You're the one who represents my freedom, my wholeness, my completeness. And it says, by faith, she recognized who he was. And by faith, she reached out and she grabbed hold of him. And instantly she was healed. See, the only thing waiting for you to walk in full freedom and wholeness is that by faith you'll reach out and grab a hold of not your righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. By faith say, Lord, I'm not right. I, I've missed it. I, I might have missed all this kind of stuff. I might have, I'm, I might have messed up this morning. I might have messed up since we stopped singing. You know, I, we've all had those moments where I might have, I don't know. I probably messed up so many times I don't even know about it. But I know somebody who didn't mess up. I know somebody who got it right. I know somebody who's now my high priest. And I receive him as the high priest. And by faith I reach out. And I'm not going to touch my righteousness. I'm going to touch his his righteousness. I'm going to touch the one who makes me righteous. And when I touch him, I will be made whole just like that lady. Come on. I'll be made whole. See that tassel today in blue. Every time you walk outside and you see a blue sky, you ought to not think about you keeping all the law, but think about what Jesus has already done. And because you've done that, Lord, I want to now too. Because you loved me, I want to love back on you and uphold that. But when I see that, it ought to remind us. That's why I love about Boomerang Blue Day. Because every day we have it from the time I preach this message. Every time I see your shirt and your hair blue in Jesus' name. What I'm reminded of is the righteousness and the completion of God. I'm reminded that just like Jubilee, that I'm set free. That everything that I was indebted, I've been relieved of that debt. I'm reminded that I can step into the holy of holies because I'm connected now by his glory. There was an old way covered with the sacrifice of animals and put in by my law, by my righteousness, but it couldn't get me the full way. I could get close, but I couldn't get the full way by trying to do it myself. But there's an inner tabernacle that's held together by the glory of God and the righteousness of the son. And now because of him, he's my high priest. I can step in. So when I see blue, it just reminds me that Jesus is the righteous one. No matter what I've done, no matter where I'm at, He's the one and I can have that righteousness. And then it goes over in 2 Corinthians it says, now you have been made when you've accepted Christ, you have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. What a miracle. Come on. What a miracle. This, but wait, there's one more thing. In the Hebrew, the word for blue is, I'll, I'll try to say it the best I know, tekeleth. Keleth. Tekeleth. T-E. Tekeleth. That's the Hebrew word for blue. Now the root of that word is kela or kala. Now that root word, tekeleth, has a root word. The root word is kala. That kala means to be made complete. Hmm. 
to be made complete. So even the word, in essence, has a root of a completion of God. Now watch this. John 19.30 Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. The word he actually said was, I'll put it this way, in the Greek it was teleo, but in the Hebrew he would have said this, it is kala, it is complete. In other words, he was saying, all the righteousness has been fulfilled. All of the actions of the commandments have been completed. And you see the connection again to blue right there. I've upheld every thread of the law. And now it is complete and come full circle. Now the sacrifice has been shed. The only thing that's waiting is for the people to reach out by faith and touch the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And if you will touch the righteousness of Jesus... He can take all that junk. He can empower you to walk away from the sin. He can empower you to walk away. And you can step into the Holy of Holies where the solutions just fall. You can step into the place where you can walk like a child of God. Like you've known that you were supposed to the whole time. The only thing holding you back is you. Will you reach out with faith and say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. I receive you not just as a ticket to heaven, but I receive you as the completion of every piece of the law, of every thread of the law. And now I am made the righteousness of Christ through you. And I can walk as a child of God and do the works that you've called me to do. I can step into healing. I can step into freedom. So right now, I don't know what you're dealing with. I, I don't have a clue. Maybe you need some restoration. Maybe you need some answers. Maybe you need, maybe you need a provision. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you need finances. Maybe you need a protection. Maybe the, maybe the devil's been just really haunting you about, hey, this bad thing's going to happen. He's been giving, trying to give you dreams and trying to give you all kinds of stuff. I don't know what it is. Maybe the devil's been trying to give you all kinds of stuff and telling you, you need to look at the devil and say, it is Kala, it is complete. And Jesus has completed and sealed my protection. Jesus has completed and sealed my salvation. Jesus has completed and sealed, fulfilled every piece of the law. Jesus has completed it. I'm reaching out now with my faith and touching the righteousness of Christ. And I made him. I made that righteousness right now. I made his righteousness. So right now, just bow your head. You can stand. I don't know what you might need. But whatever it is, I'm telling you, it's complete. In Jesus. It is finished. Everything he did was enough for everything you need. Everything he did was enough for everything you need. If you need healing, you need some kind of solution in your body, you need whatever, 
I want you to come up right now. Lord, I need a solution. I need help. I need help to walk out of this uh, sin. I need help to walk out of this pain. I need help. I need wisdom. it, It can be a great thing. Whatever it is, I need something. Come up right now. Come up now. Lord, I need solutions. And I've seen the one who fulfilled every thread of the law. I've seen the one who can make me whole again, just like that lady, who can heal me, who can deliver me, who can give me the things that I need. And I want to live for him. I want to go after him. And before I pray for anybody, I just ask the Father right now, just let your glory and your righteousness, your power start to fall on people right now. Lord, let it start to fall and move in their lives right now. And right now, no matter where you're at or who you are, no matter where you're at or who you are, what you need is to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And you do that by faith, by making Him your Lord, by stepping into that and not receiving the condemnation anymore. That He will remember my sins no more. He'll separate them as far as the east is from the west. He's made me whole. He's made me complete through His righteousness. If you need to make your relationship, everybody bow your head. You need to make your relationship fresh again today. Whether you've had it before or not makes no difference. I need it fresh. I need it whole. Just raise your hand real quick so I can see it alone. I need that fresh relationship. Keep it up. Keep it up. Lord, I need relationship renewed. I need it whole. Amen. All right, you can put it down. Everybody, just pray this with me. Just say, Father, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He's the Lord. He's the director of my life. He calls the shots. And I'm obedient. And I believe that He took my sin on Him. He fulfilled every part of the law. But by my sin, He gave Himself to die. And the Father brought Him back to life. And when He raised Jesus up, He raised me up. And now I'm seated in heavenly places in Jesus' name. I receive the fullness and the completion of His righteousness. Fill me, Jesus, with Your Holy Spirit. Empower me to walk and live and run the race of this life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed. Amen. Keep your head bowed.